The Old Testament lesson for the Feast of Pentecost is from Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Imagine for a moment what it would be like to be the one person at the Tower of Babel who stood up and said, Hey guys, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea for us to build this city, this tower into the heavens. I don't think it's a good idea for us to unite around this project, for us to advance our civilization, for us to make progress. I don't think it's a good idea. Can you imagine being that one fellow who stood up and said that, if there was one? He wouldn't have lasted long. He would have been driven out, going against the grain, going against what everybody wanted. What everybody could see was so clearly a good thing. We're together. We're working together. We're getting along. We're accomplishing something great, something that we have all set our minds to. It's easy to imagine what that would be like in our world. Can you imagine being the one person who stands up and says, hey, I don't think America should be so great. 
Or I don't think that we should build things back. I think we should just let things go. I don't think that our economy really needs to be that stable. Can you imagine being the one person who says, maybe this is not the best thing for us to be aiming at. Maybe uniting around these things isn't good. The problem is not unity or progress. The problem is not unity or progress, but the starting place. What is it that unites us? What is it that we are progressing toward? You can hear it clear as day in the Old Testament lesson from Genesis chapter 11. What did they say? Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. That effort to make a name for oneself, that is nothing other than trying to live life apart from God. Doing everything in your power not to need him. Ordering your life just so, planning and preparing and building and uniting so that you can just write God out of the equation. Let me make a name for myself. Let me secure my own future. Let me provide for myself confidence and certainty for what comes ahead. That effort, as laudable as it sounds, as important as it sounds in our world, is an effort to live apart from God. That thinking gets into every facet of life. Into every facet of life, we are always trying to make our own way, instinctively. It's in our bones to try to make our own way, to secure our future for ourselves. And so we plan and we prepare and we make alternate plans and backup plans. And when our plans fail, we scramble and scrape to try to make things work. We do that in marriage. We do that in raising children. We do that in our work. We do that when it comes to our health, when it comes to our bodies. We're doing everything in our power all the time to try to get by without God so that we don't have to cry out to him for mercy, so that we don't have to cry out to him in need. And we have managed that. We humans have managed that in many parts of our life. So we have succeeded in our nation in particular. We have succeeded in removing God completely from education, in removing God completely from politics. To be a Supreme Court justice, you have to swear, you have to promise that you're not going to let your religion enter into your decision-making. How could that be? How can you just forget God for a moment? Or I told you about uh, the National Day of Prayer a few weeks ago. An amazing thing that when President Biden made his declaration for the National Day of Prayer, he did not mention God once. How can you have a National Day of Prayer without God? Somehow we have succeeded in removing God from so many parts of our lives, and I hope you can see that that is not something foreign to even you and me who are Christians. That is what we work so hard for so often, to not have to need God, to not have to fall back on him, to think of him only as an emergency help, a lifeline, a last resort. Babel would not have succeeded. They would not have built the tower into the heavens. They would not 
have made a name for themselves. There is no such thing as life apart from God. The problem is not that they would have succeeded in replacing God altogether, but they would have thought they did. They would have convinced themselves that God had no place in their lives, that they didn't need him at all. This is what God is concerned about. When he says that nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them, it's not that he's concerned about them making nuclear bombs and blowing the whole world up. He's concerned that they will actually accomplish the things they set out to accomplish, and they will think that they are their own salvation, that they are their own way, that they are their own future, that they have made a name for themselves. And so God confuses their language and disperses them across the face of the globe. And it sounds like a cruel trick. It sounds like God is just kind of vindictive at times, spoiling their fun. I'm going to make this hard for you. I'm going to throw a wrench in this so that you can't get along with each other. But that is not what he's about at all. If God did not love us, if God did not love the people of Babel, he would have just let them have their way. He would have paved the road in front of them so that it was smooth sailing, so that they would believe and have reason to believe that they did not need God. If God hated them, if God hated us, our lives would be easy. Our lives would be comfortable. We would never have any reason to call out to him for prayer, in prayer. But God loves us, and he loved the people of Babel, and so he toppled their idols. It just so happened that their idols were in their hearts. He toppled their idols. He did it out of love. And he scattered them across the face of the globe so that their name wouldn't be concentrated in one place, a name that they had built up for themselves, but so that instead his name, his name could be declared across the face of the earth. His name, which is salvation, which is hope, which is a future for creatures like you and me, for lost and condemned sinners like you and me, for those who are dying like you and me. His name is salvation, and unless his name is declared everywhere, none of us has any hope. We'll be bound up in ourselves, we'll look to ourselves for our comfort and our future, and one day we'll get what we want we'll find ourselves quite apart from God. But really, it's not just that there's no such thing as a life apart from God. It's not just that God wants us to acknowledge that he exists. That's not faith, just saying, yes, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a start, and even most people in the world know that. It's the fool. It's only the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. Acknowledging that God exists, acknowledging that his name is great, that's easy. God wants something better than that. He wants us not simply to acknowledge that he exists. He wants to make his home with us. Did you hear that in the gospel lesson? Jesus said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He's not content just to be the kind of person, the kind of God that you call out to occasionally when you're really desperate. He's not just interested in being there like a phone call away or somebody who checks in every so often, even regularly. He's interested in making his home with you. 
indwelling with you eternally. Pentecost, this feast, this incredible feast in the church year, Pentecost shows us how desperately, how badly God wants not merely to be a part of the world, but to be the life of the world. You can see it in Acts chapter 2. There Peter is standing up and preaching to all these people who think that he and the other apostles are just drunk. He's preaching to them, preaching that Jesus has done great things for the world. And it's amazing because the people to whom he is preaching are the very same people who crucified Jesus. Look at how badly God wants to make his home with us, with sinners, with his lost creatures, that he even sends this gospel to the very people who nailed Jesus' hands and feet to the cross, who cried out, crucify him, crucify him, and who spat at him in hatred. Look at how badly he wants to be with us. The Holy Spirit that he sends, that Jesus sends, his own spirit calls to remembrance everything that he proclaimed, and he does it by giving you the precious words of Scripture, which you have with you all the time. There you have everything that Jesus taught, brought to remembrance by his own Spirit. There you can see the miracles that the Spirit worked so that his gospel could go out into all the world. There you receive everything that was promised in the name of Jesus. That's the contrast for you today between the Tower of Babel and Pentecost. It's whose name should we glorify? Whose name is most important? When Solomon undertook to build the temple, it was something that his father David wanted to do, but David couldn't do it because he was a military man. He had blood on his hands, so God gave Solomon the task of building a temple. He needed to build a temple because God wanted to dwell among his people. So Solomon built the temple according to the Lord's prescription, and then he prayed this prayer. He said, Will God indeed dwell on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heavens cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you have said, My name shall be there. A place where they could call on God any time and he would hear. Where they could seek his pardon and forgiveness and he would grant it. Where they could ask for his blessing and he would pour it out in abundance. His name made great for their sake. See what a glorious thing that is. Heaven in the highest heavens cannot contain God's name, and yet here he comes into this building, this temple, and puts his name there so that it's always available to his people. Contrast that with what the people of Babel wanted to do. Their name, which was mud. They wanted to glorify and inflate and raise it up to the heavens where it was nothing, held no power, couldn't accomplish anything. See how great it is that our Heavenly Father gives his name to us. That's what he did for the people of Israel. But even that, putting his name in a temple, in a building, with a priesthood and sacrifices to hear their prayers and offer them blessings and forgive them sins, even that was not enough for him. He wanted to be closer yet. And so on Pentecost, he pours out his spirit so that you also have his name within you. His great and glorious name, which the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain, you have it. 
so that you can cry out to him, not just when you're in emergency, but day in and day out, and he hears you. He desires that you call to him. He takes his name and he puts it on you so that everyone can know that you are his and that he is yours so that he can give you peace, that peace not as the world gives, a peace that fades, a fake peace, a false comfort. He can give you true peace by the death and resurrection of Jesus so that you need not be either troubled or afraid. What an amazing gift that you can ask in his name and Jesus has promised that he will hear your prayers. That you can call on his name, as Joel said, you can call on his name and you will be saved. That he has taken your name and attached it to his and written it in the book of life. Think about the difference between that and having your name attached to some monument sitting in the middle of Mesopotamia. What good does that do anyone? Your name has been written in the book of life. So that on the last day when that book is opened and that monument is toppled and all memories fade, the things of this world, your name will remain because it has been bound up with his name. Confessed, Jesus says, confessed even by him before his Father and all the angels. He has taken your name and lifted it on high. Thanks be to God. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.